I don't I don't get offended if people talk about the fact that I've I've got a gut. I do. I'm a fat fuck <laughs> and <laughs> a know? tiny dick. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing so I I've heard. Do. There's nothing I can do about that from Adam. Um, this time. All right, hold on. I gotta scratch my balls. All right, balls have been scratched. Cock is laying on my laptop. All right, gladiators ready. Theme song. Ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey. I call them like I see them, alright? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for The Rundown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is... The Rundown Wrestling Podcast, unintentionally offensive wrestling podcast. And in honor of everyone being butthurt lately, I'm proposing that we be even more intentionally offensive than we normally are. I am your host, Troy. With me, returning to the Rundown, it's Jason. Yeah, uh, it's been a week off. Thanks to uh, Adam for filling in last week. It was uh, I was prepping for my vacation, which is was tremendous. And I cut a little R and R, and I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll, and uh, talk about what wasn't actually a horrible week. Good, good to hear. And we are going to start this uh, this episode off with more sad news. Yeah. It's the dead guy of the week. As the wrestling world lost Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Uh, of course, we had talked about uh, the fact that Jim had just recently uh, been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Uh, seemed like he was kind of uh, kind of going to have a long struggle there. Uh, but in uh, a very surprising news that came out, he, he had a fall at his home, wound up hitting his head, and, and died from it. Uh, so Jim was 63 years old, had a very, very hard life, lots of lots of drug use in the past and everything like that, but has been clean, has been kind of struggling with alcoholism, uh, but he got to see uh, his daughter win a butterfly belt. So, um, and of course, uh, with Jim the Anvil Neidhart's passing, that means that Bret Hart is the only remaining member of the New Hart Foundation still alive, so somebody... Please make sure to take your bets in the Deadpool. Bret Hart is a, is a three to one favorite odds. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, yeah. I so I got into wrestling sort of hardcore around the time of WrestleMania five. So I missed sort of the the initial run of the Hart Foundation and and their great uh, tag team run earlier in their career. I, w- I was sort of able to see the second half 
uh, their second act, if you will, sort of the, the two out of three falls match with Demolition, where they won the titles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but of course, having gone back and having been in the business and talked to people and um, heard stories, and it, it's sort of funny to look back at now because originally there were a lot of people that thought Neidhart would be sort of the breakout singles guy out of that team. He was sort of the big power guy. He had sort of the charisma and the personality, and he sort of carried Brett through the promos, etc. Um, obviously, that never really materialized. Uh, he he did sort of don the mask and do a little bit of singles action as who and whatever. Um, but he was pretty much a tag team guy uh, for most of his career. When you factor in, it was, you know, hit him with Owen Hart after Bret Hart. And um, But, you know, I, looking at Natalia's Instagram and, and seeing them uh, in, in segments on Total Divas, it's very clear there was a, a really close and warm relationship between him and Natty and obviously – you know, we, we just send out our best wishes to her and, and the family at this point. Um, but he was, he was just a tremendous guy, it seems like, from all accounts. Uh, very talented shot putter, so he wasn't even, he was also an athlete outside the ring. Um, so all in all, a yeah, tragic story. This is one that was, you know, you can just chalk it up to sort of a freak accident, but, uh, you know, obviously best wishes. And uh, as usual, when tragedy like this strikes, we... Uh, we say to the past one and, and the family, we, we wish you the best, and we'd like to honor your your, your life with a 10-bell salute. Right. So, uh, we go from a 10-bell salute to a little something that we call... The Perfect 10! A 10! A 10! A fucking 10! We start off the Perfect 10 with Jason's favorite wrestler slash... Oh, we're going USC right off the bat with this thing? Alright. Yes. <laughs> uh, Cookie Monster Punk was in the news. Fuck uh, CM Punk. And, of course, uh, the lawsuits seem to have been mostly settled at this point. I think that they're... I think they're all... all they, they're all done up until we found out that one Mr. Colt Cabana had put a new lawsuit on the table because he is suing Mr. Cookie Monster due to the fact that when they entered into this little soiree into taking on incredibly high-priced lawyers... Mr. Punk said that he was going to take care of all of the legal bills that uh, the two of them would incur. Because, of course, everything that that uh, CM Punk said was the reason for the lawsuits in the first place. Nothing that Colt Cabana said. He just was the host of the show. But, of course, he got dragged into it because he was the host of the show. So we found out that Punk instead said, no, 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 buddy. You're going to pay for for half of the bills, even though... It wasn't your fault at all. This is completely my fault and everything I said. So, yeah. So not only is Colt 
uh, suing CM Punk for the other half of the bills, but he has actually brought it all the way up to 1.2 million because of the fact that Cole Cabana has lost a lot of money on this deal, not only in sponsors leaving this podcast, but also in some booking things as well as uh, some potential paydays from the WWE themselves. Because of course, Colt was somebody that they, you know, would use every once in a while to help out in the back and do a little, you know, things like that. And obviously Colt was always kind of really close to being one of those guys that could potentially be, but, uh, you know, with WWE kind of putting a stranglehold on the indies, there are certain shows now that he just cannot be a part of, like Evolve. So, I'm going to go ahead and take a sip of my uh, Mike's Harder Black Cherry and let uh, Jason go on a little bit about uh, CM Punk. So, for for what, two two years now on the rundown? I, when I came on, some of y'all were still in your CM Punk worshipping phase, still had the underoos on, and were hoping for those WWE ice cream bars, uh, and the return of the, the majestic CM Punk, who was so done wrong by the WWE. I like to think that through my pointing out some of his hypocrisy, I've managed to turn some hearts throughout those two years. There has never been a more daunting example of what a piece of shit this guy is than this situation here. Now, first off, let's let's throw out the ever increasing list of people who have come out since and said, wow, this guy's sort of an asshole. Ever since he left the business, he won't fucking talk to me. He won't return my calls. He changed. He's a dick. And then people who said, well, he was in the business. He was a dick. He was hard to deal with. He was very, very you know, self-centered, et cetera, et cetera. Forget all of that. Let's just examine this situation. To your point, Troy, CM Punk got fired by WWE for refusing to show up for work. I mean, people like to dress this up as, well, they fired him on his wedding day. He fucking refused to show up for work. So typically, as an employee, when your employer says, fucking come to work, and you say, fuck you, I'm not, they're going to fire you. What Unless other recourse did they have? Okay, now from that point on, he goes on Colt Cabana's show. Now, maybe Colt asked him to. Maybe he asked Colt. I don't know how that dynamic worked. I know these two were friends; they were buddies. You can go back to the pipe bomb promo where he shout out Colt Cabana on stage at Raw. Um, so he goes on the show. He proceeds to, and I've gone through this ad nauseum about all the bullshit he says and why it's simply not true and it doesn't make sense and it's just punk viewing things from his his perspective but he says these things intentionally inflammatory things he attacks the credibility of a physician uh, basically accuses a physician of negligence this is a guy this is a guy who doesn't make as much money as cm punk now granted he's a doctor and doctors do pretty well but he's not making cm punk money so cm punk doesn't give a shit about this guy and if his you know medical career is damaged by the things he said doesn't give a shit it's all about CM Punk and making himself look like the good guy here. So this guy files suit, and yeah, it was sort of a flimsy lawsuit, and it wouldn't shock me if WWE sort of nudged him and said, hey, we'll pay for it. Just, you know, let's see if we can waste this guy's time and money. The problem is that Cabana got dragged into it. Cabana did nothing wrong. Cabana hosted a podcast, and this was sort of a black mark for all podcasts uh, because if you're 
now telling me that I can be sued over something somebody else says on my podcast. And so it's a good news situation that they actually won that lawsuit for those of us that do podcasts. Um, but here's the thing. Apparently, and again, we've only heard the side of this story that Colt Cabana has as he's filed the lawsuit. We have yet to hear Phil Brooks or CM Punk tell us why everyone else in the world is wrong and he's right. But I'm sure it's coming. But basically, what we've what we've what we can surmise from this Cabana lawsuit is that Cabana told him, you know, I don't have money to fight this, and Punk said, "My bad, it's my fault. I will cover you, whatever it takes. We'll have the same lawyer, blah blah blah." At a certain point, Cabana said, "Listen, I, I maybe I should just get my own lawyers." Punk said, "No, no, no, stay with me. We'll we'll provide a united front. You know, it'll be easier that way." I got it. I got you. Don't worry about it. So they win the lawsuit. Um, apparently, at some point, CM Punk convinced his lawyers to drop Colt Cabana, which Colt had nothing, no knowledge of prior to it. So he scrambled, found somebody. They won the lawsuit. I want to read you, as submitted into evidence, oh, of course, my internet freezes at this moment. Well, while you're working on that, I will say, um, in the original episode... Uh, Colt says, and I quote from the episode, you had come to me and we had been kind of talking about it like, you know, who knows if you ever want to talk, but there's so much going on and it's understandable. So, yes, CM Punk went to Colt Cabana and asked him to be on the podcast to talk about this. Okay, so it was, in fact, CM Punk asking Colt Cabana. Yep. Okay, so not only did Colt Cabana do nothing wrong, the whole situation was sparked by CM Punk. Now. Let me see if I can find... Apparently that website fucking crashed my browser. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, it, and there's there's more than just that. You know, they, they say it a couple of times in here. Colt says, but you came, um, but I got... You wanted to... Should we do questions? How should I do this? So yeah, so it, it was completely started by CM Punk. And of course, Colt is friends. And it's hard when you're friends, and and especially when you're your friend with somebody as big as CM Punk was at the time, when he comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to do your podcast," that helps you pay the bills. Whereas I've been getting a paycheck from WWE, you don't know always where your where your next paycheck's coming from. I'm going to do your podcast. It's going to obviously get a lot of hits. So of course, Colt is going to be like, "Yeah." At that point, he has, you know. He's not going to edit the episode. He's not going to take things out because that's not good for his viewers. So, yes, Colt is a little bit culpable because of the fact that he it, it was his podcast. He put it out. But I would still say 80 to 90 percent of the blame goes with, goes to CM Punk, okay. the initiator of it and the, and the guy who said everything. So. Okay. So here's the letter that CM Punk sent to his quote-unquote friend. And, and I would just like to point out this is how Mr. Phil Brooks treats his, his friends. Quote, to date, I have spent $513,736 on this Ammon lawsuit, Punk wrote. My outstanding current bill is at least 300000 Half of all this is yours. Divide the 513736 by two, and that is what you owe me, and, I won't ex- and, and what I expect you to pay me. Starting now, I will no longer be paying your bills. You are on your own. Whatever my bill is currently will be cut in half, and half will be yours. If you choose to make this ugly, that's fine, too. I hope you won't, but I gave up on you doing the right thing a long time ago. That's Friends. what he wrote to his friend, who's... L- and Punk, 
uh, sorry, Cole Cabana does not have CM Punk money either. This guy had no. This guy had to borrow money to buy a suit for the trial. If you listen to his story on his podcast, so the only reason he's under here is because CM Punk. CM Punk has told him, "I will pay your legal fees." And then once those legal fees start piling up, he's like, "Ah, no, man, sorry, I'm, it's on you." And by the way, that shit that I told you I would pay for that we've already incurred, I now want half of that. So it's one thing, even if you're going to be a piece of shit and back out on your promise, it's one thing to say, okay, hey, listen, I'm tapped from this point forward, you're on your own. He's not saying that. He's saying, you know that amount I told you I would pay for, that you unwittingly racked up charges because I told you you were covered? By the way, I want that money back now, too. Mm -hmm. And this is the same guy that outright fucking stole money to main event a UFC show. You know, the guy who was so upset about these part-timers coming in and main-eventing WrestleMania, he went out and fucking took main-event money and was the highest-paid athlete on a UFC show where he had no fucking business being on. Yeah, but we don't... So, I, I, I get what you're saying there. I'm going to I'm gonna pump the brakes in a little bit because we want to keep it just on on this stuff here. And and this is uh, the, the classic case of... it all ties of, together, Troy. That's the point. It's a, it's yeah, a pattern I, of behavior and, and a sense of entitlement that this piece of shit continues to have, that he continues to hold other people to a standard he refuses to hold him fucking self to. Yeah, so I think we've talked about it, about it before, about, you know, CM Punk quitting in the first place was was kind of the biggest glaring um, point, you know, to your point, the, the, the biggest glaring example of, of this guy's ego, the fact that, he didn't that his whole thing was I should have main evented WrestleMania. And it's like and and we kept saying you you had one of the longest title reigns in history. The longest and, in the current era behind only Bruno fucking San Martino. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't enough. You you are out there performing, you're you're a main eventer. And programs with the rock, by the way. Yeah, doing programs with The Rock, with John Cena, being put on, on fucking video games, putting on the side of the fucking, you know, bus and things like that, being a focal part of the company, it doesn't matter if you if you went on last on a fucking show. First of all, you got to be on WrestleMania, which is something that the fucking Usos couldn't do, even though they were one of the better tag teams for, like, three years fucking running. But did they quit? No. They kept fucking digging at it. And there's a good chance... We we had talked about it the the year after CM Punk had left, and after that WrestleMania had gone, the next one was that that weird time where like everybody got fucking hurt, and we kept saying the same thing. We're like, Punk would be main eventing this this WrestleMania if it not for the fact that he fucking quit on the company, because of the fact that there was nobody left to main event at that point because everyone else was fucking hurt, and if he would have stuck with the company, he probably would have eventually main evented a, a, a WrestleMania, and even if he didn't. He had fucking multiple title reigns. He was a focal point of storylines. He was the biggest fucking thing in the company for over a goddamn year. But he's so entitled and so egotistical that that wasn't enough for him. And he quit. Now, he quit because of the fact he didn't get to main event. He wasn't like Austin Aries or Neville who quit because they were stuck on a show that less than a million people watch every week. Yeah, fuck Austin Aries, too. Well, yeah, fuck him too. But let's let's look at Neville. Neville is a guy who 
is who did the same thing. He quit. Now he hasn't been fired yet because WWE is still working on it. But that's because Neville sits there and goes, I'm a young guy. I'm in fucking amazing shape. I'm a fantastic wrestler, and you have done nothing with me. You and know? what he hasn't done is go out on public and blame everybody else for everything that's happened to him. You could tell you could tell me that Neville died three months ago, and I'd be like, oh, wow. And I believe you, because we haven't heard from him. Nobody's seen him. He's doing the he's doing the right thing. He's talking to WWE when they when they talk, they want him to talk, and he is completely staying out of the limelight. Other than that, you know, he's a guy who has a dispute. He's a guy who rightfully could go to the independent circuit and do whatever he wants. CM Punk's big thing was, oh, I didn't get to main events, so he quit, and then he never wrestled again, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of you quitting, because you you pretty much quit because you want to go and get what you want. Let's just put and this- he could have. He could have went and main evented ROH if that was really his thing that he was, that he wanted to art to main event things. Okay, to put this in perspective, uh, Daniel Bryan f- was was told he couldn't wrestle in WWE anymore for a long time. Mm-hmm. His plan, prior to the turnaround and getting cleared, his plan was that he was going to write out his contract, be the good soldier, and then he was going to risk potential brain damage to go work for Ring of Honor and work in New Japan because he just fucking loved wrestling. So what does it say about CM Punk, to your point, that he's free and clear, he can go work anywhere he wants right now, but he refuses to? So is the issue the WWE, or was the issue CM Punk and his view on wrestling? Because I will I will sit here and maintain that the issue lies with CM Punk. Were there things WWE could have handled better? Sure. You name me one person in this world whose boss or employer hasn't done something that made them go, oh, that's kind of shitty. Most of us go, oh, that's kind of shitty, but by and large, they've been good enough to me. I, I've made millions of dollars in his case. I found my wife there. You know, I, I get to perform every week, do the thing I love. I get paid compensated well. By the way... Championships and main events aren't actually earned by merit in wrestling. I know this is shocking. It's a work. Weird. It's almost like it's predetermined or something. Yeah. All right, we've officially spent more time on on CM Punk than he lasted in the in the uh, UFC. So <laughs> we're gonna go ahead. By and the way, move fuck on. CM Punk. Yes. Yes. Hashtag fuck CM Punk. Uh, hashtag um, Forrest Daniel. Yes. So we're going to go ahead um, and and go from CM Punk to one of his old stomping grounds, ROH. And we, we of course, learned that ROH and New Japan were going to be doing shows at Madison Square Garden. And um, I got to I try to I'm going to try to get this right. They went on pre-sale, correct? Uh, they went on pre-sale to Honor Club members and sold a bunch. And then they went to mm-hmm. uh, general sale and sold out very quickly. Yeah, so they when they went to pre-sale, those tickets went so fast and and were gobbled up that they were they were pretty much like, uh, yeah, we're definitely selling this bitch out, and they did, and that that goes to show you they might not have the money in ROH's case. They well, might they not do. Have, well, they they might not have the WWE type of money. Oh, no, no, no. If Sinclair Broadcasting threw their full weight behind ROH, mm-hmm. they'd have That's more true. money than WWE. 
Yeah. They'd be able um, to compete. Yeah. We know we know that New Japan does have the money. Um, but of course, the biggest thing was reach. And this here is is a big fucking selling point to potential broadcasters and to potential venues that these guys have the reach. Mm. Because hate to break it to you, but WWE hasn't sold out Madison Square Garden in a while. Nope. And the fact that ROH in New Japan, now given it's their first show, so that's going to be a little bit of a bump. Yeah, there's a novelty to it. Yeah, there is a novelty to it. But that's a big fucking arena. Huge. And, yeah. And that's these, the these are, arena, if you depending on who you talk to. Yeah. And, you know, New Japan and the Tokyo Dome obviously can sell out because they're, they're fucking huge over there. New Japan in Japan is as big as WWE was during the Attitude Era in America. You know? Um but obviously, you know, in terms of American viewers, New Japan is for a lot of people is still kind of a there's there's wrestling in Japan. Uh, ROH obviously is somewhat considered a it, I mean it's an independent, but it, a lot of people would call it a super indie uh, because it's that like in between. They're not quite you know they 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 don't really have a TV deal, but they kind of have a TV deal. Well, they're a national uh, promotion. Yeah. I mean, they're in syndication rather than one, you know, consistent national channel. Right. But their reach is pretty much national at this point. Yeah, they're they're a national touring company too. Yeah. So that's the other big thing. But yeah, obviously this is the third or fourth American show for New Japan. Uh, third. Third. Okay. Um. So yeah, this this I think might be something that might make WWE kind of take a second glance at and go, oh shit, we might have we might have underestimated these guys a little bit. Well, and there there are a couple of aspects to this too that you, that you didn't touch on that that I think are important. Um, not only did they sell out MSG, which you said as you pointed out, WWE hasn't done in a while. They did it on WrestleMania weekend. Mm-hmm. That's the same night, if you're keeping score at home, that NXT TakeOver will be taking place WrestleMania weekend. Yep. So they're competing head-to-head with WWE. This isn't like some random fucking Saturday night. This is WWE's weekend in the place WWE is holding their marquee event. Ring of Honor basically said, fuck you, here's a shot right across the bow. And that's the interesting part to me, is because this is the first time since probably the Monday Night War era, where I think we're, we may, we're, we have the potential to start to see some real fucking change. And the reason I say that is because Vince McMahon has shown throughout the history of WWE, when he runs unopposed, he gets stagnant and stale. And I feel like that's sort of what we see with a lot of today's product. When he's pushed, when, his, when, when he has when he has to fight for things, when there's somebody nipping at his heels, that's when he gets he gets creative. He get he starts be, trying new things and doing things differently and mixing things up. And that's exactly what this company needs right now. This is a, this is a pretty big thing that I I think people are sort of underselling how big this is because and the other part of it is factor figure this out. They sold out Madison Square Garden on the strength of Kenny Omega, who was released from developmental, Cody Rhodes, who they let walk away because they, quote-unquote, didn't have anything for him, the Young Bucks, who do all that flippy shit that they can't stand so they never wanted to sign them, 
the list goes on and on if you go up and down this card. This is a list of guys that WWE could have had or did have. And these are the biggest stars in the world right now. Right. In a lot of cases, um, bigger than the WWE stars. Yeah. And uh, and, and honestly, the I think um, a contributing factor to this might be the fact that all signs point to Roman Reigns tying Hulk Hogan's record for consecutive WrestleMania main events um, at, at WrestleMania 35. And the fact that the it's it's been the same guys on top in WWE and you know we we talk about it a lot but WWE hasn't really been listening to their fans lately and hasn't been building up these new stars like they they should be where you still got you know the the same the same guys kind of floating around the top there but uh but on top of that that too you know you look at you know, we we know that WrestleMania 35 is going to be in New Jersey. So the fact that Madison Square Garden, that's it's not just like, you know, they're putting on a show that's going to hurt the ratings. That's also putting on a show that's going to hurt the dollars that people are willing to spend that weekend, because there's only so much money you're gonna you're gonna spend in in a weekend on wrestling. And so for a lot of people, they had to, had to make a choice between do I go to New Japan and at Madison Square Garden. Or do I go to East Rutherford for the MetLife Stadium for WrestleMania? And they they go, I'm going to go to the New Japan show. So that's going to hurt the ticket sales for thirty for WrestleMania 35 as well. I See, I don't know about that. I think a lot of the people that you might see go to this show are people that are going to be in town for WrestleMania anyway because it is on a different day. It, it could very well hurt the TakeOver box office. And that was sort of where I was talking about the really interesting, compelling part of this because can you imagine – how fucking stacked that NXT show is going to be that night. Vince is going to pull out all the fucking stops that night. Everything. He's unloading both barrels that night. You are going to see the absolute best that you can get out of NXT. As for WrestleMania, I, I, I disagree with you on one point. I don't think the issue is so much that Roman Reigns is going to be main eventing another WrestleMania. I think the issue is that he continues to main event with the same fucking guy. It's the same fucking story pretty much every time. Right. And it's the same fucking Roman Reigns. There's been no development in that character in five years. He's still a good worker. I still think he has great matches. I think he can. I think he can put on a great show. The problem is... The character is stale. The character development's not there. The progression, the guy's gotten better as an in-ring performer. He's gotten slowly better as a promo. But the character has never fucking changed. Since the Shield split, he's been the same fucking guy that he was in the Shield. Every other member of the Shield has evolved. He hasn't. He's the only one people don't like. It's not hard math. Right, which I think is a great segment to our two two other Shield members who have evolved as characters, uh, because Seth Rollins has been embattled in a feud recently uh, with Dirk Zogler and Drew McIntyre. We had a contract signing, which of course you know for me is always the fucking lamest thing that you can do, uh, except if you do something like this, and that of course was. Uh, you know, Rollins realized it was two on on one. Kind of got out of there, goes to the top of the ramp, and says, "You're gonna have." He was he wasn't in there. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, yeah the whole he... gimmick was that Rollins wasn't at the arena, and Dolph's mm-hmm. whole thing was if he signs the contract tonight, because apparently you couldn't have signed the contract Tuesday 
there's no. apparently a de- de- drop dead date that that contract has to be signed by. Um, but if he didn't show up tonight, then Dolph would win that summer the SummerSlam match by forfeit. Apparently, that was the storyline. Yeah, so. I guess. Anyways, so yeah, so so Derv Zogler had signed his contract um, for the match. They are waiting for Rollins to come out there. Rollins comes to the top of, of the ramp and says that since you're going to have um, that gigantic piece of lovely man meat in your corner, I'm going to go ahead and have a lunatic in mine. And then the the crowd cheered for a little bit. Uh, we didn't hear any music for a little bit. The uh, the announcers kind of looked at each other. Seth made a sandwich and was able to finish half of it before <laughs> Dean Ambrose's music finally kicks in. And the new and improved Dean Ambrose walked out looking very buff, by the way. Apparently, his time off he spent in the fucking gym because... Yeah, apparently looked... I'm a body guy because that was the first time that guy looked like a star to me. Me too, man, because, you know, Dean has always been the character guy, yeah. but his his physique, you know, he he's... I've, I've had the same kind of issue with Daniel Bryan and his little kind of gut that he's got to him a little bit, you know, not not exactly chiseled like he was... I haven't seen Dean without a shirt off yet or whatever that, but them arms, man, were were looking good. And motherfucker, his, his trap game was off the hook too. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, he's sporting a new look in the fact that he actually buzzed his hair. Yep. Um, had no problem showing off that he's got a little bit of receding hairline, but he, he went the Triple H route. So Dolph Ziggler looking very fucking like Shawn Michaels, ninety six Triple H in the suit and long hair. Oh, see, I, thought, I, I thought it was Shawn Michaels circa WrestleMania 15. No, I totally looked at it as as everyone everyone is becoming Triple H at some point in time in their career, <laughs> and and Z- Ziggler definitely looks the fucking part right now. Obviously, you can make he's like a third of the size of Triple H was at all the times, but yeah. So Dean comes out and looks just pissed off, which this is the Dean Ambrose that we have been begging for Mm -hmm. the guy who comes out there and is just the ass kicker he didn't come out smiling he didn't come out making jokes or whatever that he didn't do how crazy i am he didn't do the wacky line he came out there it wasn't wacky uncle dean this time no it it wasn't and we he backed it up when he got into the ring too because he came in and just did a flurry of punches then hit the dirty deeds there was no wacky line in the middle of the ring there was none of his other like weird fucking sequence of punches that he did or whatever that this was like brawling fucking Dean Ambrose. And then a really good fisting. Yes, which of course we had. We Yes, we had a fisting, of course. But yeah, so uh, Dean is back. Um, I'm not 100% positive that he is, is cleared yet to wrestle because obviously he's not technically booked at SummerSlam. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that he's at least pretty close to it or already is cleared to wrestle. But... We know he's not wrestling at, at SummerSlam, but he's going to be there, and uh, we're going to get to predictions on what his role is going to be here soon. But um, yeah, I think a lot of people were really excited for this new Dean Ambrose look because yeah, this is the lunatic fringe nickname and shit like that has always been just kind of like a nickname to it, and he finally looks like a fucking psychopath he should be, and he looks like a guy who could you you would like not want to fight in a fucking brawl ballroom brawl, so. Yeah, I honestly, I mean, and I'll reserve judgment really until he does get into the ring full time. But if this whole thing um, results in the loss of like the wife beater and the jeans and I mean, the losing the, the shitty haircut was, was a good start. Uh, but if we can like actually get to the point of looking like an actual professional wrestler, 
I, I think the sky could be the limit for this guy. Uh, hopefully this is also going to be soon followed by a heel turn on either Seth or Roman because that's the other thing that was sorely missing. Uh, this guy needs to be a heel. He's built to be a heel. Um, but I, I'm very, for the first time in a long time, and people who have listened to the show have heard me on this show will, can attest to the fact I am fucking... I am not this guy's biggest fan, but for the first time in a long time, I am very optimistic about his outlook after what I saw on Monday. Yeah. The biggest thing is going to be um, his first promo and and if, and if and how that goes, because that's going to set the tone for, for if he's a new character or if he's just the same character with a haircut. Right. Uh, as well as, like you said, his in-ring work is if he changed up his moveset a little bit. It's fine to keep the dirty deeds. It's fine to keep some of the other moves. The wacky line has to be fucking done. We do not want to see that at all. Right. Um, and and uh, if he continues his physicality, then then it's a win. If he's back to his normal kind of wrestling style and stuff like that, then it's just kind of a wasted opportunity. And, um, and, I, and I, can I just say, I never want to see the bounce through the ropes, come back, and clothesline again. Yeah. That that's, needs to that, die, too. That's that's the wacky line. Yeah. That's what I can. Oh, that's that what, what I keep it is. I thought to. you were, I that's, thought you meant when he was speaking, he would deliver a wacky line. No, no, that's the dumb name okay. for that fucking move. I thought the it was rebound. the lunatic lariat. No, it, well, it, it might be now, or it was after a while, but it was the wacky line at first. Okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so as long as we don't see that fucking move again, um, and yeah, like I said, as long as it's not crazy Uncle Dean anymore, and it's actually like, if you do yourself a favor. If you want to see why we get so frustrated with Dean Ambrose, and just look up any John Moxley promos, and you'll understand why we're why we're so we were so frustrated with Crazy Uncle Dean because the John Moxley promos that was fucking. You never need to do that. Go back and watch his original Shield promos. That's true too. Yeah, his his promos when the Shield first started were were really good too because it was all about just fucking. Yeah, it was a lot of justice talk, but it was also about kicking the shit out of people. Yeah. So. Before the shield broke up, one, after the shield broke up, he got sort of a new character, which I think kept him fresh and kept the fans on his side, like I talked about with Roman a few minutes ago. Uh, but he, he got new music, he got a new look, but the promos sort of went the way of the birds because he went crazy Uncle Dean. Right. And, yeah, the, the loss of the hair definitely takes away a little bit of the pretty boy aspect of him. And like I said, makes him makes him look much more like an actual wrestler, um, which you know is uh, we we hope will we'll play into it. But um, but let's go ahead and talk about the uh, the other member of the Shield uh, because this this was another uh, episode that was sort of built around you know Roman Reigns for obvious reasons and yes. about Paul Heyman as well. So Heyman <laughs> uh, Heyman comes out and makes it appear as though he was going to align with Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, talked up Reigns a little bit, made it kind of seem like, oh, maybe, maybe you know, my client beat the shit out of me, so maybe I'm looking for a new client. Uh, then proceeded to pepper spray Roman. And as uh, uh, one of the WB staff were attending to Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar's music hit, and that gentleman did the right thing, took one look at the ramp and went, Fuck this and ran away. So, because out comes Brock Lesnar, who then beats the shit out of Roman Reigns. All right, so this had a couple of. This was like the very definition of one step forward, two steps back for me. And here's the reason. So, I thought Heyman's promo was great. I thought they did an excellent job when he referenced his father and he spoke Samoan to him, 
And he handed him that piece of paper and said, please just think about it. Do you think that Roman Reigns actually knows Samoan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard him talk it with his family and promo and videos and stuff. But uh, so he hands him the paper. And to me, that's where you end that segment. Because now I go into SummerSlam with an added twist to this match. So Lesnar comes out, no Heyman. Roman comes out, no Heyman. Heyman comes out mid-match. Which way is he going? I don't know. There's an extra piece of intrigue added to this match that a lot of people already feel has no intrigue to it. They already know it's going to happen. To me, that was where you stop it. Then Heyman hits him with the pepper spray, which I didn't see coming. So in that regard, it was it was it was cool that I didn't see it coming. Soon as I saw that, I knew Lesnar was coming out. Um, and here's where we went again. So Lesnar comes out. At this point, you end it with the pepper spray. Lesnar comes out. I, I think what he did first. What did he do first? He hit him, he put him to sleep with the choke out. Then he walks out. End it fucking there. You were getting booze for for Brock. You were getting sympathy on Roman. Then they did what they've done in the past, and we've talked about it on this show in the past. They sent Brock back, and then the crowd got into the beating. Then the crowd got behind Brock and started chanting one more time because they've now made it a game to the crowd. So all the heat they put on Brock, all the sympathy they put on Roman, with the way they booked this, they took it right back away. So there were two two parts to this segment where I thought they hurt themselves by having the Heyman thing happen on Monday rather than holding it off till SummerSlam and by having Brock do the, do the return beating. That has been Jason Book's WB SummerSlam. No, that'll be later. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, did you, you, you liked the way that segment played out or? Um, at this point, um, I find it hard to believe that anything they do with these two gentlemen is going to even even make it twitch a little bit. So um, to me, I just want to be done with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns as as a feud. Um, I want to be done with Brock Lesnar as well because he just hasn't been interesting to me. And I want to see, you know, what, what the next step is here. So uh, I'm also I, – I can – I respect Paul Heyman's ability – but I'm bored with him as well. Uh, so so, I, think, I think Heyman has shined the last couple of weeks. That sit-down promo I thought was outstanding. I thought his work in the ring prior to the pepper spray on Raw was tremendous. See, and like I said, I can respect that. I can respect the fact that he is doing great work. My problem is I'm just bored with the Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns stuff. That's so when, when, when Paul Heyman w- and, w- was talking with Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe threatened to rape him, I was loving it because it was something new. It was a new challenger for Brock. It was it was a new thing that we were doing, and I enjoyed those those segments much more. I enjoyed Paul Heyman much more. My problem is right now, it's just the same old fucking thing with Roman Reigns again. It's just like, you're not man enough. You're not, not big enough. You're, my client will beat you. And yeah, he's the, the work rate is there. It's always been there with Paul. The problem is, is is what he's been been given to work with, and it's, to me, it's fucking boring, and I'm no, I'm over it. So, Fair enough. Um, but yeah, like so at, at this point, my biggest thing would be uh, if 
if Heyman would have turned on Lesnar and joined with, with Roman Reigns, at least it would have been something new. Um, but instead, it was kind of just, Roman is an idiot, and he should stop fucking trusting people, because think this is why things like this happen. So, but yeah. Um, in other news, uh, WWE still has no idea how to use Mr. Robert Lashley. <sighs> There was the 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 worst part about this to me. It was was there was that glimmer of hope a couple weeks ago that maybe maybe during the Roman doing... program I had I was very yes. optimistic. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Him be him beating Roman, them having the program leading up to that. I was like, okay, this is Impact Wrestling fucking booking of Bobby Lashley as as a, a beast and everything like that. And now we're we're doing this, which is just like, what are you what are you doing with this guy? We're doing. We went from Sammy's sisters mm-hmm. to dominant main event player. Yeah. To Rock and Robin. Mm-hmm. To beating up the guy dressed like a cowboy. <sighs> I also, I also just didn't get this. Like, what did what did this accomplish for anybody involved? Like Bobby Lash is a beast, so this was this was the equivalent of doing like. I mean, he uh, got to no sell a guitar shot. I guess yeah, it made him look like a badass, sorta. Yeah, but it's it's the same as like the Bludgeon Brothers having to face a Jobber tag team this week. You're just like, okay, yeah, I already know. Dude, dude, dude! They were a triple threat. Sorry, a triple threat. Yeah, I still know they're fucking Jobbers. Like. Having Bobby Lashley on established talent, this would be like having Roman Reigns face off against a fucking jobber this week. He'd be like, or, "Really?" Or having what? Roman, or having Ronda Rousey beat up a bunch of jobbers. At least they were named people. <laughs> <laughs> at least they were people who have held titles at some point in time that you knew. It wasn't some random fucking guy they found on the street, where you're just like, "What is this accomplishing?" I already know. He's, I already, I can look at fucking Bobby Lashley and be like, "Yeah, dude." You've got giant fucking muscular tits, dude. Like, I understand you're a beast. I don't need to see any more examples of the fact that you're a fucking beast. And I don't need to see you beat up a fucking guy who clearly is not, I mean, clearly is a wrestler. We know he is, he is an independent wrestler, but, but kayfabe-wise, is clearly not supposed to be a wrestler. So, you know, it's the same as when they brought Kane back and he had to fucking fight that guy who stripped onto his underwear in a ring. You're just like, first of all, you're like, what the fuck's going on? Second, you're just like, yeah, I know Kane. I've, I've, he's, he's been on my fucking lunchbox since the '90s. Like, I know who the fuck he is, man. Like, <laughs> you know. So to me, it just, it just, it doesn't establish anything, and it's just, it felt, it felt like they didn't know what to do, and they needed to, to have him at least be out there to progress the feud to an extent. So they're like, fuck it, get one of those guys, one of those local wrestler guys, give him a fucking guitar. Get, we still have a bunch of those Jeff Jarrett guitars in the back, right? Get him one of those, have him go out there and just fucking hit Lashley, and then Lashley will beat him. And they're just like, all right, I guess. I don't know what this does to progress us any more towards a match that's not actually occurring at SummerSlam, but whatever. I can't believe that I'm sitting here longing for the days of Rock and Robin. Mm. It's just it's just getting worse. I mean, He's, at least with the at least with Lashley's sisters, as awful and terrible and and te- just inconf- unfathomable as that shit was, 
at least at the end, the payoff was Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn. That's true. At least you knew you were going to get that match in ring. Yeah. Bobby Lashley's not booked. Instead, this time, we get Bobby Lashley and Elias. Yeah. That's, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, we get Bobby Lashley and Elias that are not booked for a match at SummerSlam. No, I mean, I'm sure Lashley's going to show up at this concert, but whatever. I mean. Yeah, but who cares? Yeah, we'll talk about all that stuff later. Wrestling is something that's feud-based that's supposed to build towards a match at a big pay-per-view. We have a big pay-per-view this week. Well, I mean, let's be honest. We also have 13 fucking matches. Do do we really need to add another one at this point? Then we don't don't have a fucking feud, because otherwise what's going to happen is we're going to get another fucking month of this shit. Lord knows there's not a single match on this card that shouldn't be there. We'll get to that. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about some some women's revolution. So of course, uh, because it's the women's revolution, we had a match yet again win by a fruit roll up, and WWE put out a a video on their YouTube of Ronda Rousey being scared by a bat. And not, not not the sting kind of bat. No, no, not the sting kind of bat. Like an actual live bat, flying rodent. Yeah, a flying a flying fucking hamster floated around the ring, and yeah, they had had and the camera was watching Ronda as she was ringside for that terrible fucking match that was going on, getting freaked out by it. So that is oh, you didn't like your, the match. Whatever. <laughs> um, that is your that is your future women's champion being scared by a bat. I, to be honest with you, she probably was more badass about it than I was. She just stood there and sort of moved a little bit. I'd have probably ran away like a girl. So, yeah, I'll give her credit for being that. But what was the point of putting this video out? Yeah, probably just to laugh. Have, have be, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of lighthearted stuff every now and then on the YouTube channel. Whatever, I don't have a problem with that. Right. Um, to to the women's revolution part two, the other thing you didn't touch on. Um, Renee Young on commentary, first time a woman's been yep. entrusted to do the entire episode of Raw. Um, and I'll tell you, I ultimately, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, and I said this in the most complimentary way. I didn't notice her. She sort of blended in. She was seamless. Uh, she seemed to, she seemed to insert things when she needed to. If anything, Mm. if I had any criticism, (laughs) I would say she maybe laid out a little too much. Uh, like for example, during the Ambrose return, she was completely fucking silent. Yeah, not a not a not a peep. And that's when I think the moment everybody sort of wanted to hear from her more than anything. Um, but all things considered, I thought she did an excellent job, and I certainly would take her over as coach. Yeah. So the other thing too is um, now we're taking we're taking this from Renee. So take to be that as it may, um, she said that the that Vince only got in her ear once during the entire broadcast, and I was to tell her to slow down a little bit. Um, which is valid advice. We, of course, know that Vince McMahon is constantly talking in Michael Cole's ear. So the fact that uh, that he let her just kind of, kind of do God damn, thing. pal, tell that bitch to shut up. Now, that's possible. That <laughs> might have been going on in Michael Cole's ear. <laughs> that's always possible. I would um, bet money on it. But, yeah. So, so yeah. So, uh, all in all, uh, I think it was a big success. I think right. that it's she. Uh, she offered uh, an incredibly fresh voice. 
Yes. And, and and it didn't feel at all that because of the fact that Cole and Graves are, are professionals, it didn't feel at all pandering either. Yeah, because it, and it didn't feel like she had that sort of conflict that exists between Coach and, and Corey that sort of detracts from the commentary a lot. Right. Yeah, because that's that's always been a little pet peeve of mine is when, when commentary becomes part of the storyline or commentary is too busy making their own storylines with each other than actually talking about the match. See Impact Wrestling's feud with Josh Matthews for a while. Um, see, you know, back a couple of months ago when we had fucking Michael Cole and his two and and, Cole, and Graves and Otunga just bitching at each other instead of commenting on on the actual match going on in the ring. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, this was this was great. I was I was incredibly happy with the fact that uh, you know that that she not only was given the opportunity but also succeeded at it. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion, so. Uh, uh, so back course, to back to the original yeah. point of this topic, the Ronda Rousey. Said, I thought the match was fine. I enjoyed Ember and Alexa. Uh, I thought they did a nice little job. I hate the notion that again we're bringing out Ember, who we called up. We've given the nickname of the Shinom, and we're having her come out to be the sort of fodder for Alexa heading into SummerSlam. I I don't like that. Um, I thought I thought Ronda conducted herself very well during her promo in what was obviously a very difficult situation. Um, for those who may not know, uh, there is some, I've seen some places on the internet where people say, Oh, she's fucking so obviously faking that fucking Natalia thing. Like she cares, blah, blah, blah. Um, to those assholes that who are clearly unaware, uh, Rhonda's, Rhonda's dad committed suicide while she was eight years old. So, everything she said regarding fathers and their roles in their lives was very personal. You could feel the, how it felt, meant something to her. Um, and, and to me that came across and it made it even more gut wrenching, uh, knowing that she knew exactly what Natty's going through and maybe even to a, to a greater degree, uh, having not gotten to build that relationship that Natty did. So, um, so fuck those people. Uh, they can all eat a dick. Uh, I thought the segment was fine. Um, you know, I, I'd I'd like to see less Alicia Fox and her poison ivy hat, but mm-hmm. other than that, I, I think Ronda beating up the security was just sort of contrived. I mean, at this point, if somebody brings out fucking security, we know he, that security's getting their asses kicked. Like it's such a trope. We've done it so much to death. Can we just stop doing it and find a more creative way to do this? Right. Um. You know, not to mention the fact that um, Rousey was trained at the Performance Center and trained by Natalia Neidhart there. So, of course, she knew Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Like, they've, they've met. Like, you know. So, she there's another thing, the too. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that people trying to claim that, like, oh, she was playing up. No, man. Like, yeah. I mean, this is also somebody that when she, when she lost in the, in the UFC for the first time, had suicidal thoughts of her own, man. Right. And like, so yeah, that's, that's something that's, you know, that, that it can affect somebody. But yeah, the fact, the fact of the matter is she, she knew Jim because, you know, and she's, she's allowed to be, to be upset about that fact. So, yeah. But again, you know, you just can't win on the internet nowadays. So, um, but, uh, going on right along to the other side of the women's coin, Carmella, Charlotte, and Becky uh, had a great segment over on SmackDown, and uh, and I 
I personally feel like have have done a good job of building up this triple threat. Yeah, Carmella and Charlotte are uh, sorry, Carmella. Uh, Charlotte and Becky are what Sasha and Bailey should have been all along. Um, and parts of me now wonder if the stalling of Sasha and Bailey has anything to do with this, where they didn't want sort of the same storyline going on. They've done this in a span of like three weeks, and I'm intrigued, I'm interested, and I know there's a payoff coming at SummerSlam, as opposed to six months with no payoff and no match at SummerSlam. Um, I thought this this segment was great. I thought Carmella was outstanding on the microphone in this one. Uh, the the line of the segment, obviously, and, and I think a lot of people have have touched on this part. Uh, Charlotte telling Carmella, "You're just a diva living in a women's era." Um, outstanding line. It sums up perfectly what I think a lot of the fan base says. It was delivered well. Carmella fucking for her part owned it. Yeah, I'm a diva. Look at my body. Look at like just outstanding job by everybody involved. Uh, the only criticism I have is that you fast forward to the match, and I thought the match wasn't great. I thought uh, it was not the shining moment for Mandy and Sonya. Let's just put it that way. Uh, to me, they looked a step slow on everything, um, but you know it was what it was. But to me, the, the the real tragedy here was that I feel like the story got lost in the fact that the commentary at no point during this match brought up the fact that Becky went the whole way herself and refused to tag in Charlotte. And to me, that was the story of this match, was Becky's insecurity, Becky needing to prove she can she's better than Charlotte. That's going to be the story of the match on Sunday. To me, that was a huge miss for the commentary team. Yeah, very much so. Um, I'm with you on, on the match being kind of sloppy. Um, you're, you're in the ring with two of the best in the women's division right now. Um, you would hope that you would use that opportunity like Ember did, you know, Ember looked great on raw, you know, for, for being kind of a throwaway match. Uh, she did a really good job of utilizing her time on TV. Whereas, uh, as these two, they, they looked kind of like they probably should still be down, down an NXT. So, um, and of course, uh, the big, big saving grace about this was uh, was Carmella's facial expressions uh, um, at ringside, as as well as some of her comments too. We uh, really just selling the point that she is she's she's ultra confident, but she's also scared fucking shitless that she's going to lose to one of these two right. ladies. Absolutely. Um, and of course, we have the the added advantage of. The fact that Carmella could lose this belt without actually losing the match, which is always the the, the great thing about a triple threat match. Yep. So, um, we had a, another triple threat match uh, over on Raw. Uh, the Revival and the B Team and the Deleters of World faced each other for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, the B Team wound up sneaking out a win after the Revival hit a Shatter Machine on Bray. I want to say. Doesn't matter. Uh, and then, of course, the B team throwing out, out the revival member and taking the pin for themselves. This set up the revival first the B versus the B team for SummerSlam. So this match uh, served to delete the deleters of words. Yes, um, of course we've had we've had some some Twitter stuff from Matt Hardy recently. Um, he apparently after the match said goodbye to Bray. Uh, take that for what it is. Uh, but yeah, so essentially moves the Deleters of World out of this feud and sets it up to be the Revival versus um, the B-Team. So a true heel versus face 
uh, battle will take place at SummerSlam. Uh, to me, um, well, we'll get to the prediction on it, but the revival of getting a take team shot, shot at a, a big four pay-per-view to me is great. Um, they have done a really good job of rehabbing their image. Um, since <laughs> for those listening at home, Jason's not laughing about my comment. He's laughing about something he's reading on his phone because he's a consummate professional. I never said I was fucking professional at this shit. <laughs> um, no, I, I saw somebody posted a meme uh, with the Alexa Bliss saying, and I'm sure some of our listeners have probably already heard it at this point, uh, Alexa Bliss saying, Ronda's an overhyped rookie. Am I right, Alicia? And then just a picture of Alicia Fox from Monday night that said, I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyways, uh, that's been, been meme corner with Jason. But yeah, I think that the revival have done a great job of rehabbing the hey, You don't want me they've... plugging other fucking podcasts in my like can I have something? Jesus Christ. I can, just I, can you, I have one had, nice thing, Troy? You've had two segments on this show so far. Meme Corner with Jason <laughs> and Jason Book SummerSlam. Oh, don't right, forget I'm, don't forget Fuck CM Punk. Yes, you always have hashtag fuck CM Punk, hashtag Force Daniel. Uh anyways, yeah. So to me the revival have definitely earned this opportunity. Um they they definitely need to get a run with the titles here. Um, and the B team are kind of the perfect people to be kind of paper champions and, and give the revival their, their due because they have, they've been given a lot of big opportunities. They've, they've made evented raw against, uh, against Roman. Uh, yeah, they've, they've done just a fantastic job of, of recapturing a little bit of what made them special down in NXT. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully if things go the way they should, the, uh, revival will become the tag team champions at SummerSlam, and we can actually maybe try to get a modicum of um, credibility back into the tag team division. Yeah. Uh, My concern of... is that they're heels and AOP are heels. So if AOP is going to be the next team in line, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm fingers crossed for the revival. Yeah, I hear you on that. Uh, speaking of guys with big, with uh, great big packages, the Miz and Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Got a, a nice little little package to build towards their their dream match here at SummerSlam. Uh, this was the one I think we all thought knew was coming at some point on the Go Home episode, uh, but this was done masterfully, beautifully. Three separate segments. They broke it down. The first segment discussing their time at NXT together, with, where Miz was a pro. Uh, the back and forth between the two of them. Um, the second segment was, I believe, the, the Talking Smack segment and sort of the, the intricacies on both ends of that. Um, and, of course, lastly, the, the since the return of Daniel Bryan was the, was the final segment and everything that's led up to this match. Uh, kudos to the production team. This was outstanding. Uh, it made it feel big. It made it feel important. And notice, no brawls, no tag team matches player. Just a couple of very, very brief interactions, a tiny smidgen of physicality, and a ton of promo work, and utilizing the history of two talents, and you've got one of the hotter angles going into SummerSlam. It's not that hard to do. Right. Um, we had kind of uh, kind of seen this coming as well, because some of the promos the two have been given 
definitely felt like there were certain lines that you're like, yep, that's going to end up in a promo. Yeah, (laughs) That's going to end up in the video. Oh, that looks like a perfect opportunity for them to play that clip and then play a bunch of clips from NXT and things like that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One thing didn't make the perfect 10, too, but AJ and Joe, same thing. Very little physicality, very little, very, very serious, real emotional promos playing on the fact that people know their history. Um, they've, they've barely touched except for that Joe sneak attack on him and another match, which I'm super excited to see. This is what happens when you keep guys in big matches separate. Mm-hmm. When they're fresh matches, we haven't seen them. The guys are kept apart from each other. You minimize how they interact it builds suspense to see that moment, and all too often they don't go that route, and they don't, and they don't do it any, none of that on Raw, because we've seen everything on Raw that we're going to see at SummerSlam a million times already. Right. Um. Yeah. So that's uh, that, that was the go home shows for both Raw or for both the for the Raw and SmackDown for the SummerSlam event that's taking place this weekend, uh, but we've got. One last topic here, the main event. Um, it's it's going to kind of bridge us into predictions, but um, considering all the people not on the SummerSlam card... Uh, that's a sizable you, list. Yep. Who would you replace to make spots? Now, you can... Uh, obviously, like I said, we're going to go over, over SummerSlam, but there are some notable guys not booked at all for the event. Um, you know, the, the Deleters of World would be one of them. Uh, Randy Orton is not booked. Uh, he still showed up on SmackDown despite the fact that we're looking into allegations of him pulling his dick out. Um, twelve years ago. Uh, twelve years ago, yeah. But for for me, the uh, what is the statute of limitations on pulling your dick out? Just out of curiosity. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's something that he might still do every once in a while. Maybe I don't know. Well, I mean, I assume he pulls his dick out a couple times, but. Yeah, but around people, I think, is the issue there. Yeah, that's sort of the I, issue. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the bigger issue there. Um, another another t- uh, another pay per view without the Oozles. Um, no sanity. Um, who else are, are we missing from the bar? Yep, the bar not here either. No Oscar. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, no Oscar. No NXT um, call ups. Not one no, no. In the card. Not one of the call ups from NXT this year is on the show. On the main so, card. I mean, you can count Bobby Lashley as a return, but he's not on the card either. Bobby Lashley, Bobby Roode, Iconics, Ember Moon, um, Sanity, like I said. Uh, neither Riot Squad or Absolution members are, are on this card either. But what we do have... No Sasha, no Bailey. Right, In yeah, Brooklyn, no Bailey. the site yep. of their epic historic match. Yep. But what we do have is Baron Corbin, Finn Balor 3. <laughs> That's uh, that right there is the the glaring one that 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 reaches out to me and goes this this does not belong here. Yeah, uh, I I would add Selena Vega and Rusa and Andrade Cien Almas as much as I like Andrade, uh, and he's the one call up that's actually on the show even though he's not on the main card. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, a, a mixed tag. We've already seen these. Like, if they had kept the women out of the ring the last two weeks, I'd probably have more anticipation to see this match. But having seen the women wrestle two separate matches, some of that mystery is already gone. Uh, so I, I could totally replace this. But to me, the biggest fucking, and I thought, I thought we were going to get it this week. To me, the biggest, most glaring omission, um, this, the, when we talked about the, the page, not the page, the Carmella, Charlotte, Becky's, uh, promo, at one point Paige comes out and Carmella's like, oh, what are you going to do? Well, Charlotte's in this match because she earned her spot. And I thought that was the point where she was going to say, but there's someone else who would like to earn a shot. And Asuka is going to face Carmella tonight. And if Asuka wins, she's in the match. Of course, Asuka would go on to beat Carmella, get in the match. Then you have all four in the match. The odds are super stacked against Carmella. Becky mm. has more of a reason to be pissed. And you can play off the fact that all three women in this match beat Carmella already. Right. I, I thought they were going to do that. I thought that, to me, that's the glaring hole that would have been very easily plugged. Right. Um, we this... also bitch about all the time about WrestleMania and how they do all these multi-person matches. We really don't have any of those on this card. So, I mean, outside of the, the women's title match on SmackDown. Um, so you could have done that with the SmackDown tag titles. You know, got New Day and the Bar in a triple threat, for example, um, something like that. Because I just I, we've seen the New Day get beat by the Bludgeon Brothers a bunch of times. I don't think that match is interesting or compelling anymore. Yeah, so that's that's one of my matches. As much as I love the Super Smash Brothers, I don't need to see them take on the New Day again. And if the New Day win, it, to me, it's just kind of a waste of the Bludgeon Brothers. Mm. Um, I think them against uh, the Bar would have been a good hoss fight for this show. Yeah, before Dean's return, I would have said Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins didn't really need to be a, a, another and, thing. And that still uh, doesn't make any sense to me because you're again you're talking about a match where at the last pay per view these guys had a fucking Iron Man match, mm-hmm. and now they're having a regular match. A regular match, yep. Weird. Uh, same same thing with Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens, who are just having a normal match now. Well, no, but that's for the case. But last week, last last month was for the case too. No, it wasn't. I thought it was. No. Anyways, um, no. Last time yeah. they wrestled was the steel cage match. That was before oh. Braun even had the case. I suppose. Um, and this one's gonna hurt a little bit. But Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak. It it hasn't had really the build. No. At, and... at all to to entice me and and it just it feels just like, well, we got to have a cruiserweight match on the card. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to showcase the best of the cruiserweight division. I think if you put, uh, if you took out Gulak, and I know a lot of people are big fans of Gulak, and I, and I like the guy. I think he's a good performer, um, but there's definite a lack of sort of charisma and excitement when he comes out. To me, if this is Cedric and Mustafa in a rematch from WrestleMania, if this is Cedric and Buddy Murphy, I think you can you have a chance to really win that crowd over early in that show. I think those are two glaring omissions from the cruiserweight side because uh, those two guys, the work they've put in on 205 recently, they, they've earned that spot. Yeah. And, of course, Brock and Roman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the Balor and Corbin thing. Like, I have no problem with Balor being on it. Baron Corbin's done nothing to earn a spot on the SummerSlam card. Let's be fucking real. This um, feud has done nothing to earn three fucking matches to no, it. No, not at all. Um, it sucks, man. There's, it's there's so somebody in the back, hard. Vince McMahon or Kevin Dunn, who still think that Baron. They need to stop trying to make Baron Corbin happen. It's just it. You tried. It didn't work. Yeah. Like this guy was borderline to, to at at the start. Between the the weird belly button, 
the receding hairline with the long, greasy hair. Like, this guy was a borderline WWE guy to start with. Um, he's not done a very good job, in my opinion, as an authority figure. I, I just, it, there's nothing here for me. I know Adam's a big fan, but as far as I'm concerned, like, that guy could leave and I wouldn't give a fucking shit. Um, but that's it. Yeah, I hear you on that. All right. Um, yeah, so, you just went weird audio again on us. I did not. You did. No, you did. No, you did. No, you did. I could hear you typing very clearly. I can hear you typing. I'm not typing clearly. at all. Well, my dick's up. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, moving right along because we are getting a little late here. Um, we have two big ass of fucking events this weekend. Um, we have TakeOver and we have SummerSlam. So we're going to go ahead and uh, give your predictions. We have a full fucking uh, a plethora of predictions for this <laughs> this week because the guy from WrestleMania Salvation, a show that just returned to the network, Sal, has put in his, uh, his two cents on who he believes is going to win. Uh, the gentleman who returned last week to this abortion that he that we call the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, as well as the Natural Media Podcast, Adam has put in his two cents. Of course, me and Jason are putting in ours, and one of our newest fans and a gentleman who will be joining us next week, Jeffrey Mayhew from Jersey, has also provided his picks for who is going to leave victorious from SummerSlam and the TakeOver event. Yeah, he's going to be live at TakeOver, so he'll be here to provide us sort of uh, the the insider's view of what the event was like to be there. So looking forward to that. Uh, and, you know, keep keep this uh, fan interaction coming, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We've had a lot more fan interaction the last few weeks than we've had in a long time. So, Yeah, I, I agree on that. Um, you I'm, know, obviously, obviously, you know, if, you, if you're going to – if you're going to – turn around and uh, and insult me uh, you'll make me cry but i will read it because we ain't no bitches like what's nxt uh, <laughs> we we read every email that we get uh and we we play every voicemail we get uh except if it's a sale voicemail then it's a matter of if i remember or not the, so. the inside joke there being that troy sent a very strongly worded email to his arch enemies over at what's nxt who claimed who claimed the ones who asked for it they, they asked claimed. for it they mm-hmm. desperately wanted an email, and they would read any email they got on the air. Uh, Troy sent one over, and apparently they did not. So, no. no. So we we are men of our word. All right. And, and so, you can tune into their show in like four months when they do another episode and find out what they say. Yeah, exactly. There you go. All right. Because so. we review a weekly television show. Once a month, and that look, I I I feel bad. I sort of turned you guys on to that show. I was the one that sort of found it and, and said, "Hey, these guys are kind of interesting." Blah, blah, blah. And, and back then, that was the case. And now it's like listening to that show is like they're doing fucking. You ever see like the Twitter accounts that are people pretending to be Alexa Bliss, and it's like role playing Alexa Bliss. Yeah. That's what that show is now. It's like. Well, it's it's almost like if Alistair Black were to have a baby with so and so, and it's like, no, dude, that's that you're just creating an alternate fucking universe. You're not actually discussing yeah. the product with your which you're supposed to be watching. Well, not to mention the fact that that our problems originated because uh, I reached out to them 
in order to to kind of welcome into the fold to say that hey we could we could mutually help each other out and then they proceeded to um slam us for us backing Enzo Murray it was more me yeah but still um but they because slammed I us refused we- to crucify somebody without yep. the evidence I dared dared I had the gall yep. and the audacity to suggest that maybe just maybe the woman who has gone online and said, I'm fucking nuts. I lie all the time. I suggested maybe she's being less than truthful. Yeah. We didn't know. Well, Let's let it play out. Yeah. And of course, we were proven right. They were proven wrong, but never admitted they were proven wrong. So that's what kind of started this little this little feed between the two of us was was them kind of calling us out and saying that uh, that we were misogynistic and everything like that. Uh, and then we said to them, well, you're kind of the equally no, no, the no, problem. No, 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 because after that, we reached out and said, hey, we'd love to have you come on the show, have this discussion, or we'd even be willing to go on your show and have this discussion. It's yeah. an interesting topic. Let's talk about it. Let's. We clearly have differing opinions. Let's hash it out. It would make for good radio and cross-promote. Yep. And I think probably because they knew they, they couldn't match that verbal uh, wit, they uh, decided to decline that uh, offer yeah it, and that's my it, thing like i have no problem if you have a differing opinion to me I, you god anybody who listens to the show knows i have no problem arguing a dissenting opinion with someone yeah. the problem is when you just sort of do it in such a way it's sort of like the kid at school who goes to, to somebody else and goes yeah you're an asshole and then runs away mm-hmm. i was like stand there defend your opinion let's hash it out let's have a debate don't sit there and accuse me of misogyny or being horrible or anti-women or anything like that and refuse to actually interact and, and, and allow me to re- rebut that. Yeah. Anyway, we digress, and we're going to talk about NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. And we will put more time into the NXT card than what NXT has. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go ahead and go down this list. Obviously, this is not Let's the- start bottom up. Okay. On this All one. right. All right. Because we're such big fans of bottoms here, we're going to start <laughs> with the Velveteen Dream taking on EC3, the only match on the card not for a title. And um, I'm going to go ahead and list off, off the people that have voted for it. Adam, Jeffrey, and myself have all chosen the Velveteen Dream to get the, the win over EC3. And Sal, so far, is alone to center. Jason, who are you going with? Well, as we all know, when your Velveteen Dream wins and losses do not matter. Um, we've seen now EC3 drop several decisions on television to guys like Johnny Gargano. Again, no fault in losing to Johnny Gargano. Um, but I do think, ultimately, uh, Velveteen Dream is going to walk away with this one. All right. Um, so Adam Cole puts on you, you the... put me, you put me in the wrong column there. Uh, I'm sorry. So that later on I don't get accused of changing it. I just yes, I understand. <laughs> right. So yeah. So Sally, the only person who picks EC3 for that one. Uh, the NXT North American Championship is put on a line for once as Adam Cole, baby, takes on Rick O'Shea. <clears throat> um, our new our new fan Jeff has chosen Adam Cole to retain. Me, Sal, and Adam have all chosen Rick O'Shea, no relation to Ochampa, to be the second North American champion. Jason, your pick. Yeah, to me, this is actually an easy one. I think this match, 
Uh, definitely has potential to steal the show. But uh, I, I don't think there really is much doubt here for me. Uh, Adam Cole has just gotten this belt. The Undisputed Era are starting to really get hot. Uh, Ricochet is already dealing with an injury. Um, and if they wanted this title on Ricochet, they could have just done it at the last takeover when they had the ladder match. They put it on Adam Cole for a reason. I don't think they put it on Adam Cole to take it off of him a couple months later. So I'm going to go Adam Cole to retain here. See, and I actually looked at it as a way to propel Adam Cole to the main event and for him to uh, to go for the world yeah. championship. But. Well, but and I can see your pick in that, that title match, so I can see where that would make a, a bit more sense to you. But... Um, yeah, I, I'm, it's possible, like I said, but I, I still think there's a little bit of work to be done with Adam Cole in terms of sort of building the credibility of that title before he drops it. Right. Um, the only match on the card that seems like a foregone conclusion, the NXT Take Team Championships are on the line as the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong take on Tyler Bate and Trent Seven, a.k.a. Mustache Mountain. And these guys have yet to have a bad match between the two of them, two teams. It's been Uh, good. So this is going to be probably an outstanding work rate match. I I think these guys are going to, again, I I said it before, and I think every match on this show has the, except one maybe, has the potential to steal the show. This could very easily be another one. Um, Whoever wins is staring down the barrel of War Machine. So to me, O'Reilly and Strong make all the sense in the world here, probably with an assist from Bobby Fish. Uh, that they're walking away with the, the championships and, and a potential feud with War Machine. It definitely feels like a, an, an opener match to set the tone for for the event. I think you put these guys on first to get the crowd fucking pumped. And uh, But you could also say the same thing about Velveteen Dream and EC3. Yeah, honestly. but if you open with Velveteen Dream, then you're looking at five or four straight yeah, championship exactly. matches, and they usually like to break those up a little bit. Yeah, which is exactly why I, th- I think that the tag team match goes on first. Not that it matters. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, just, just saying that, uh, that yeah, that would I be a good way. I could see Ricochet being used to sort of get the crowd hot right off the bat, too, in an opener. Yeah, I mean, either one of those two. Because I don't think it's going to be this next match. Because uh, Shayna Baszler Did you make puts a pick the... In the... Oh, yeah, everyone else picked. So everyone picked the, the team of yeah, the Undisputed. That's that, that's why I said I'm pretty sure that's the only slam dunk we're going to have in this okay. one. The NXT Women's Championship is on the line as Shayna Baszler takes on Kyrie Sane. This one hurt me a little bit because I I am such a big fan of uh, Pirate Hooker, but uh, but me and Sal are going with Shayna retaining, um, whereas Adam and Jeff are going with Kyrie Sane. Now, who does Jason pick to break the tie? Well, first off, allow me to say, and I, we haven't touched on it on this show before, but I absolutely love the fact that Kyrie Sane's elbow into the corner is now being referred to as the sliding D. I don't know why. But that just really fucking amuses me every time they say the sliding D on television. What's, uh, what's, what's even the context for that? I what have no idea. D? Moro <laughs> just started saying it a couple weeks ago out of nowhere. Oh, sliding D. Yeah, pretty much it. And then Do Ni- you love me, Kiki? And then, oh, I, and then like... Nigel said it, and it was funnier in a fucking English accent. That's all I can tell you. Uh, Everything. Where it comes Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as for the match... Uh, I can't remember an NXT Women's Championship match at TakeOver. I was sort of less interested in seeing than this one. And that's no shade on either of these girls because they can both work. But I just I, I don't get the Kyrie Sane thing. I really don't. I got Asuka. I, just, I don't get the pirate thing. I don't get the weird dances. I, I just I don't get what this character is. And for me, that takes it away. Uh, Shayna Baszler is a badass. And... As we start looking forward to 
the the Evolution All Women's Pay Per View. We know the NXT title is going to be defended. To me, the money match and sort of what I thought we were going to get at Brooklyn is Shayna Baszler versus Candice LeRae. Uh, I still think that's where we end up at Evolution. So I'm going to say Shayna Baszler retains here. Okay. I'm trying to find out um, what a sliding D is. <laughs> I can tell you what a sliding D is. I just don't know how it ties to wrestling. Yeah, neither do I. But everyone is calling it that, so... See, you Let's found see online I... that it is being referred to as that, right? Oh, uh, oh, Masada Tanaka doing a sliding D. Apparently that's an actual move. Yeah, so, it is. That's how right. I got my wife pregnant. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well, I'm now I'm all I'm getting is sliding doors, so I'm just going to go ahead and... Ripcord on that. Who who did you pick in that one? I'm sorry. I, was I picked Shayna. Shayna, okay. And what will most likely be our main events, unless something crazy happens, the NXT World Championship is on the line as Tomas Ochampa takes on Johnny Wrestling himself, Johnny Gargano. Now, Adam, Sal, and Jeff have all picked Tomas to, to retain. I have picked Johnny Gargano to be the new champion. Who does Jason pick? This is interesting um, because I think originally, as we all know, this was supposed to be a triple threat with Aleister Black, and mm-hmm. I think that gave them a lot more options. Uh, you could have Tommaso walk out with the title, pinning Aleister Black, and still sort of keep some shine on the Gargano program. Now that we're looking at the rubber match, essentially, between these two, where I went into this when it was a triple threat, I thought Tommaso is definitely walking out with the title because they just fucking put it on him. I feel like this sort of forces their hand a little bit that Gargano's almost got to win here, right? Um, otherwise, Tommaso essentially wins the feud, and the bad guy walks away with the title, and Johnny Wrestling is ultimately the loser in a feud where his wife's been disrespected, and he's like... I, I, originally, I was going with Ciampa when this turned into a... And it's the last man standing match, too. Um, but when it turned into a one-on-one match, I sort of came to the conclusion I don't see any way you can have Johnny Gargano lose this match and because it's a last man standing match it can't be a fuck finish it can't be a DQ or a count out you're going to get a definitive winner this is the this is the penultimate match of this program you got to think or the ultimate match in this program as you will and Gargano's got to win it right that's uh, that's what kind of, what I kind of looked at as well as um, just looking at where this feud goes from here um, and we have a couple of, of heels that are starting starting to make the come up into the main event. Like I said, Adam Cole is somebody that you could easily have drop the title and go right after Gargano after they they're finished with uh, with Champa. And we're probably um, going to get Matt Riddle at Takeover as well. So yeah, yeah, and he's kind of a natural heel, so I could really? easily see them. I mean, look to me. Look, the guy. I'm. I'm sure the guy is a lovely human being. To me, he he's always kind of like a pothead bro gimmick. Like he, he's always kind of like an asshole to me. Character. Maybe, maybe. They're so. also they're also subtly turning um, Cassius Ono heel too. If you've been keeping up with the weekly program, it looks like they're in the middle of sort of starting yeah, to tell the story of Ono as a heel. So yeah, can't wait for that. Hey, maybe uh, it's new ring gear. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe he can learn how to dress himself. <laughs> Anyways, so what uh, what will most likely pale in comparison to that show will be WWE SummerSlam this Sunday, uh, coming from wherever the fuck they are in, in Brooklyn. 
Doesn't matter. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. Same building uh, NXT is coming from. Yeah, same bit of building NXT. Also, probably the same amount of fans will be in attendance as well for that. Um, the Mountain Dew kickoff show will be. Is we it will really see. Mountain Dew, or did you just make that up? I, I know it used to be the Mountain Dew Kickstart show. It was Stride Right for a while too. Well, was it? Okay. Yeah, Stride X, Clearasil, KFC. Yeah. I mean, they have they have a lot of different you know people, but one eight hundred correct. Considering it's them, it'll most likely be the the WWE Mayhem uh, Android app kickoff show. Uh, but anyways, uh, the cruiserweight championship will be on the line as Cedric Alexander takes on Drew Gulick. Uh, me, Jeffrey, and, and Adam have all chosen Cedric Alexander to retain. Sal has wrongly chosen Drew Gulak to win the championship. Uh, what are you saying there, Jason? Uh, when in doubt, you go against Sal. Uh, so I could go with Cedric <laughs> Alexander. Um, no, I, I think there's a lot more story to tell with Cedric. I think there are far more compelling heels. You could put that title on if you wanted to. Buddy Murphy, right off the top of my head, would be the guy I would choose. But um, yeah, I think there's. I think Cedric wins here. There you go. And the other match on a show that has no bearing whatsoever with anything, Rusev and Lana will team up to take on Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega. Um, by the way, uh, kudos to Zelina Vega for somehow being able to keep those pants on her her amazing body because... Huh. Oh, all right, I'm going to need to grab a towel really quickly, so go ahead and give your, your pick for who who's going to win this one. That was really quick. Anyway, um, yeah, to me, I, I no pump jump. This uh, this doesn't really matter much of anything. Uh, Andrade's been hot, but the mixed tag angle sort of allows them to out Zelina's pin Lana twice. So I think uh, I'm guessing Lana's going to go over on Vega here, probably with Aiden English doing something to redeem himself and help Rusev Day win. So it's like me and you have synced up our periods again because we keep picking a lot of matches. <laughs> Um, let's see if it continues, though, because the Raw Tag Team Championships are on the line. Uh, you put Kickoff Show. This is on the Kickoff Show, too? It was moved to the Kickoff Show, yes. Oh, goody. Uh, the Revival can't even get on SummerSlam. That's great. Uh, me and Adam have chosen the B Team to retain, whereas Jeff and Sal have chosen the Revival. So break the tie, Jason. God, I want so friggin' bad for the Revival to win this match. I want so badly to pick the Revival. But I know how Vince McMahon feels about tag teams. I know you have a comedy team. They've just invested new song, new Titan Tron, the whole deal. As much as it pains me, I I think the B team is going to win. All right. Keeping up that Blood Brothers feud. Plus, I've got to go against Sal. Yeah, that's true. Win in doubt, yeah. Well, uh, you'd be the lone dissenter in this next one if you do go against The lone wolf, if you will. Ooh, there we go. Uh, in a match that will most likely go on before the main event, so everyone can get some popcorn and, and a piss break, Baron Corbin takes on Finn Balor in a match where every one of us has chosen Finn Balor. Let's see if Jason will choose the right path. Goddamn, pal, he's tiny. How's he going to beat Baron Corbin? Um, no, it's Finn Balor. All right. The, the less said about that, the better. Balor or uh, Riot. Yeah. I've noticed that quite a few of these matches, every single one of us are picking the same people, which is kind of disturbing for SummerSlam. But the United States Championship will be on the line as Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, never mind. No, no longer cock Nakamura. Has has he hit Hardy in the cock lately? Not well, not since he won the title, but 
That's well, how, that, how he won the belt. I suppose. Kak Nakamura <laughs> will defend his title against Jeff Hardy. And every one of us has chosen Kak Nakamura. Uh, sorry, sorry, to sorry, sorry, sorry. Jeff Harvey? Harvey, yep, sorry. Uh, every one of us has chosen Kak Nakamura. Does Jason continue to choose with the rest of the group? Yep. That's what I kind of figured. Yeah, I, I see, I want to try to get the most right. I could just fucking be dissenting for... You know, no fucking reason. Now, I guess if you wanted to play the devil's advocate, you could make a case for Jeff Hardy winning by DQ when Randy Orton gets involved. You know, that's mm-hmm. possible. But, you know, if I'm picking winners, I'm putting money on it. I'm going with Shinsuke Nakamura. Right, exactly. The WWE SmackDown take team titles will be on the line as the Bludgeon Brothers yet again take on the New Day. Jason, who do you go with? As much as I disagree with it, and, and I hate the notion that they're doing it, it sort of seems like the only reason to put the New Day in this match is if you're going to put the belts on them, right? It's the only thing that makes sense, because why... Nah, fuck it, I'll go with the Bludgeon Brothers. Okay. I, I just, I don't understand. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me as to why New Day's in this match. So, there's got to be some reason. Maybe a heel turn coming, I don't know. But... Something's got to be happening here. There's got to be a reason that's, that makes more sense than this. But, yeah, I'll go bludgeons if I have to pick. All right. Since Adam didn't pick, I'm going to go ahead and choose Demolition as his pick. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship will be on the line as Durf Zogler oh, takes on God. Seth Rollins. Durf Zogler will, of course, have uh, everybody's wet dream, uh, Drew McIntyre in his corner. Seth Am- Seth will have Dean Ambrose in his Scottish corner. psychopath, Troy. Psychopath and the lunatic fringe will be on the outside, and this will most likely come to blows. I'm hoping they blow each other so I can blow my load while watching this event. Uh, okay, all, then. All of us have chosen Durf Zogler. What does Jason choose? <sighs> I just heard your cat meow very loudly. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'll go. I. You know, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll go Seth Rollins here. Okay. I'll be. I'll be uh, the lone voice of dissent here. All right. I think most of us, uh, Adam included here, as you put it on here, are thinking that Dean is turning heel on Seth. Yeah, time. I think that's too obvious. I don't think he turns here. I think he will turn down the road, not too long in the future, but I don't think it happens here. Um, so uh, they've been telling the story of Seth not being able to beat these two together, and I think having Dean there makes all the sense to to tell the other side of that story. So. All right. The WWE SmackDown Women's Championship will be on the line as Carmella faces Becky Lynch and Charlotte. I have chosen Carmella to retain. Everyone else has chosen Becky Lynch. Jason, who have you chosen? Oh, to me, this is an easy story. This is uh, this is Becky, and Becky has the match won, and Charlotte throws her off of Carmella, and Charlotte steals the pin. Uh, to me, that's the story they're telling right now with what we're seeing on SmackDown. Uh, it gives Becky all the reason to feel like she had the win, and if Charlotte wasn't inserted into the match, she would have lost. Or it gives room if you want to do the Charlotte heel turn and say, you know, slowly do that. And I think that's when Charlotte's at her best, and I think Becky's at her best as a sympathetic babyface. So that's exactly where I would go. I think for that purpose, Charlotte Flair wins this match and the title. See, and I, I chose Carmella because I think that Becky and Charlotte take each other out, and Carmella picks up the scraps. But it leads to a Becky-Charlotte feud. 
Brown Snowman takes on Kevin Owens. If Owens wins, he gets Strowman's Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, Jeff has chosen Kevin Owens. Sadly, I don't feel the same way uh, as me, Sal, and Adam have all chosen Braun Strowman to keep his his uh, Monster in the Bank contract. Jason, go for it. Yeah, I so badly want Kevin Owens to win this because I feel like he'd be a much more compelling person to hold that briefcase. But uh, the fact that they've done the gimmick with Braun Strowman losing repeatedly to Jinder Mahal in various ways... Uh, leads me to believe that there's zero chance any of that happens at the pay-per-view, so Braun Strowman is the winner. All right. Alexa Bliss takes on Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Jeff has chosen Alexa Bliss. Me, Adam, and Sal have all chosen Miss Ronda Rowdy Rousey. I would choose Alexa's backside if that was an mm. option. Um, although Ronda's not to sell her short either. Um, yeah, I think this is the coronation. I think Ronda wins here. So, you pick. As, oops, doubling down and picking. Daniel Bryan faces off against The Miz. Jeff has chosen The Miz. The rest of us have chosen Daniel Bryan. Jason, what say you on the dream match of Daniel Bryan versus The Miz? Uh, Jesus. A couple weeks ago, I would have been absolutely convinced Daniel Bryan wins this. Uh, as you hear more and more about them being unhappy about him not signing a contract extension, then you add to the fact that the Miz is now sort of a hot property with Miz and Mrs. doing better than anybody expected. Um, you sort of wonder. But all things told, I'm going to go Daniel Bryan. I'm going to stick to my original thoughts. I didn't do that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> AJ Styles defends the WWE Championship against Samoa Joe. Joey Samoe. Uh, everyone else has picked Joey Samoe. I picked AJ Styles to retain. What do you say? Uh, I say this is not the last match in this series, so I say for the first match, AJ is going to retain the title. All right. We don't really get it that much anymore in WWE where the first time a guy gets a title shot that he wins it. So that, well, that was my thinking of it. So That usually happens down in NXT now, though, because, I mean, every time we're like, oh, this will be the first time they're facing off. So, uh, no, but they, they just switch the titles around first time. So, right. um, yeah. But I think this is a case. You've sort of seen leaks that they're, they're going to face off again at Hell in a Cell. Uh, so that would lead me to believe that there's some sort of angle here coming, and I think it makes more sense for AJ to keep the title. Card angle. And um, apparently there is another belt that WWE has. I didn't didn't know about this one, but apparently Brock Lesnar is something called a Universal Champion, <laughs> and he is putting that championship online against Roman Reigns for the first time in a lifetime. Uh, Adam, because he has no faith in them ever getting this right at this point, has chosen Brock Lesnar. Jeff has chosen Brock Lesnar. I have chosen. Roman Reigns, is so has Sal, so be the tiebreaker for this one as well, Jason. All right, so in the vein of me booking SummerSlam, uh, I see this with Roman Reigns winning uh, by virtue of the fact that Paul Heyman does in fact do the turn. I think what we saw on Monday was sort of a red herring to throw everyone who had already started to believe that Heyman was turning off. I think the storyline is going to be that there was no Mason there, that it was nothing, that it was all a setup between Roman and Paul to get Brock confident and overconfident going into the pay-per-view. Uh, and I think I think Heyman's turning, and I think Roman's winning, and I think Roman's going heel. All right. Uh, that would be nice, but we'll see what happens. Um, we, of course... 
We, of course, will still be um, here for, I don't think. Hold on a second. It's fascinating radio. I know it is, but <laughs> my microphone is dead. I wonder if that's what happens, because now you sound like you're far away again. I wonder if that's periodically been happening, and that's what we've been not noticing. Now it sounds a little better. Yeah, now my light's back on. Yeah. I think that's what's been happening. Okay. It's been dropping and coming back. Okay. There we go. Uh, I also apparently lost some of my recording there, so hopefully you don't need this. Oh, for fuck's sake. Hey, man, I'm sorry, dude. I, <sighs> I, we have the same mic. I didn't do anything. It just fucking stopped. Jesus Anyways. Christ. I know. Skype recording it is, for better or worse. Yep. All right. So, that'll do it for our predictions. Make sure to check us out uh, next week as we give you our re- our results and review of both uh, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 and SummerSlam. But first... With our new our, last... our new friend who is uh, attending the show live. So we'll have live report. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. All right. So, let's take a look at what's going around in the independence. Herpes. Probably, man. Um, the stars of Bruce City Wrestling return to the Elks Lodge in Waukesha, Wisconsin on Saturday, August 18th. That is this Saturday. With the hottest show of the year, Summer Sizzle. Bell time is 7.30. Door- what? No. The bell time is 7.30. Doors open Sizzler at 6.45. Read. No, it doesn't. You it does. changed it. I swear to God, I didn't touch it. Yes, whatever. All right, Summer Sizzler, sure. Uh, Dude, I didn't out. touch it this time, I promise. <laughs> Tickets are $20 reserve ringside and $60 advanced general admission on BruceCityWrestling1.com or $18 at the door. Already signed, Bruce City, the Bruce City Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship will be on the line in a dog color chain match as high-octane Onyx Dreddy takes on the bearded bruiser Max Holiday. Blue Phoenix of Vanessa Azor takes on Evil Sierra. International star Melanie Cruz takes on Lena Oro. Ooh, it's a new lady. Bruce City Wrestling Heritage Championship will be on the line as the Midwest Slayer Stacia Shadows takes on Brandon Blaze. The Bruce City Wrestling Tag Team Championship will be on the line as the X-Men take on Hardcore Impact. It's been a while since the Tag Team Championships have been on the line at an event. More Fandemonium matches announced soon. BruceCityWrestling1.com for more information. Go uh, follow them on Twitter at BCW1, Instagram, Bruce City Wrestling, and Facebook, Bruce City Wrestling. ICW Insane Championship Wrestling. This is where Return. the herpes are. Oh, this is definitely where some bloodborne pathogen's gonna gonna lurk. Yeah. <laughs> ICW returns to the La Pica Lounge August nineteenth for just for the fuck of it. An extra show before <laughs> the insane aid event later in the day. Doors open at twelve twenty PM with meet and greet going from twelve thirty until one PM. Do they have a poster to... for this event? Because I really want to see it. Uh yeah, go to the go to their uh, Facebook page. Uh Insane Championship Wrestling Dash Milwaukee. Ringside VIP, $10. Second row general admission, $5. These tickets are separate from your Insane 8 tickets. VIP ringside tickets include meet and greet with Sean Davari and all talents of the show. Former WWE TNA ROH Lucha Underground, Sheik Sean Davari has been signed for just for the fuck of it in a Anything Goes Falls Cut Euro match as he issues an open challenge against any worthless American on the roster. An all-chairs-are-legal match will take place between Corporal Robertson, Peter B. Beautiful, the Undead Outlaw, Cash Borden, 
and the Slamerican scumbag Dalton Diamond. The ICW Tag Team Championships will be on the line as Shoots and Wanderers, Scott Marciano, AC Riley with Jason J take on Bear Kingdom, Juan Hernandez, and also Turco. Blaze and Benjamin takes on Rico de la Vega. Straight Hatred Jack Blackwell, Zach McGuire, and Kata with Miss Hatred will take on Michigan Maid Mongo and Just Saying Justin Hoffman and Simon Says. Sierra will also take on Tyler Sullivan. Angel Dorado will take on Pitstain and the Fuck It Rumble match will also take place as already signed Jacob Hoffman, Simon Says, Cato, Blackwell, McGuire, Resort Life, Tyler Sunday, AC Riley, and Scott Marciano, and more will all be in that match. More talent and matches will be announced soon. And then following that show, ICW remains at the La Pica Lounge for the Insane 8 Hardcore Tournament. Second row, VIP, $25. Second row, general mission, $20. But, of course, your VIP tickets include photographs and autographs with all eight wrestlers and groups of individuals. And early entry for three bonus matches. Early entry, of course, is 3 p.m. Hopefully the photographs and, and autographs take place before the matches start. Yeah, we, we hope so as well. Because otherwise, <laughs> you're not going to be able to tell them apart because they're all going to be covered in blood or dead. <laughs> <laughs> Seven violent, hardcore, bloody tournament matches, three non-tire tournament matches, and plus two bonus VIP matches. It's Sunday, bloody motherfucking Sunday, as the ICW Alternative Championship will defend it in a tournament. The Insane Eight are Dysfunction, Plaguebringer Marcus Crane, High Class Villain Mo Foley, John Wayne Murdoch, Husky Heartthrob, Cody Rice, The Dark Prophet, Oren Veet, Reed Bagod Bentley, and the Hated One, Cato. The first round will be a Tex Tubes and Ladders match as Cody Rice takes on Reed Bentley. A Sticks and Stones with a Side of Glass match will be Oren Veet and Mo Foley. A Fans Bring the Weapons Casket match will take place between Dysfunction and Kato. And a Barbed Wire Slaughter match between John Wayne Murdoch and Marcus Crane. Then, if anyone is still alive after that, the second <laughs> round <laughs> will see a Kitchen Massacre Fans Bring the Weapons match as Rice or Bentley will take on Murdoch or Crane. And a Doors of Death bundles and carpet strips match between Disarcato and Oren or Foley. And the finals will be for the alternative title in an ultimate insanity match between Disarcato, Oren, Veet, or Vice, Bentley, Murdoch, anybody, whoever's left fucking standing. They might have to bring somebody from the back. And in a a totally unrelated item, the Red Cross will be on hand taking blood donations. (laughs) There you go. Uh, also on the card, the ICW World Championship will be on the line in a fatal four-way one-pinfall match as Ice Pick Vic Capri takes on Ego Fantastico, the Greek franchise Giku Giannis, and Joey Jet Avalon. You, t- you want some fucking heel heat? Have all these matches and nobody bleeds. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, you know, could happen. Uh, VIP ticket holders will see... Uh, Barbed wire <laughs> slaughter match. You do arm drags and, you know, wrist locks and cravats and mm-hmm. nobody touches the barbed wire. There you go. VIP ticket holders will have a meet and greet at 3 p.m., and they will also see a boot camp match between Deathmatch legend Corporal Robinson and Pitstain. Uh, Midwest Slayer Stacey Shadows challenges for the ICW Midwest title versus Mario Andrew Cravello, Sierra, and Aesop Mitchell. And Psycho Chase McCoy takes on Mikey Wild. Oh, that's me. Uh, UFO Wrestling goes back to where it all started as they present Big Bang 10 on Thursday night, August 23rd at the Malden Irish American. 
Bell time is 7 p.m. In the main event, UFO heavyweight champion and Ring of Honor star, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, defends his title against the returning masshole Mike McCarthy. The cool people defend the UFO Tag Team Championships against the reuniting Red Carpet Club, Bo Douglas and Jason Rumble. Former Impact Wrestling star Robbie E. goes one-on-one with the international male Aaron Amadeus. The selfie-made man Vern Vicalo takes on New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer Slick Wagner Brown. Also, there will have a special autograph session with former WCW Impact and WWE star Ernest DeCat Miller. Autographs $25, photo ops $25, combo package for $40. There's also a limited package deal for $50. You can check that out on their Facebook page. Also scheduled to appear, the Widow Belmont, Davey Ann, Adam Barrasano, the Murder Lodge, Dan Terry, the biggest of them all, Benny Jux, the prize, Alec Price, the professional Channing Thomas, and many more. Card subject to change. Front row tickets are $15. General admission is $12. For more information, check out UFO Wrestling on Facebook, and to reserve your tickets, you can use the friends and family feature at paypal.me slash Patrick Dillon. D-I-L-L-O-N. On Saturday, September 1st, Atlantic Pro Wrestling presents the Road to Royalty Tournament. Semifinals and finals, bell time is 6.30. You were going to say something? I was going to do this one, but go ahead. Oh, I've got you in the next one because you've got like three more to go. Reserve front row is $15. General uh, Advanced general admission is $10, $12 at the door. Go to AtlanticProWrestling.com for more information. The APW Heavyweight Championship match will be on the line as Dynamite Danny Miles takes on the biggest of them all, Benny Jux. The Royal to Royalty semifinals, a double M elimination, will take place. I assume I have to read the fucking... Okay. The current Stiff standings Mike. have Stiff Mike and the Magarichi both at 2-1. and one. Mass Appeal, Travis Gillette, and Bitter Buttery Romano at 2-0. and oh. So, of course, this is a double elimination tournament, which means you have to lose twice to be eliminated. Gotcha. Uh, triple threat match for the APW New England Championship will be on the line as Perfect Dan Terry takes on the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo and Robo the Punjabi Lion. The Widow Belmont takes on Vanity Vixen. Pow Wow Rivers Cup winner Bugsy Stone takes on Clipper City Cup winner Fabulous Johnny Vega, with the winner receiving an APW New England Championship match. The APW Tag Team titles will be on the line when the anti-Americans Sheikh Abdullah Hassan and the Canadian legend Matt Loudon defend against the team of Beta Ro Omega Connor Davies and Channing Thomas. Uh, it's a good time to be anti-American because they might actually be faces in this match. All this and more. Well, they September could run for 1st. president. Yeah. At APW, check out AtlanticProWrestling.com or Atlantic Pro Wrestling on Facebook for more information. And a new season begins as Liberty State Wrestling returns to the John E. McCarthy Elementary School on Saturday, September 15th. I wonder why sometimes he puts John E. McCarthy and other times he just puts John McCarthy. Because the John E. McCarthy was actually a... Um, general uh, for the South in the Civil War, and John McCarthy was a general for the North in the Civil well, War. Well, right, but it's the it's same really... school every time. So you would it, no, just... they're 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 actually segregated. The John E. McCarthy School is just where the whites go, and the John right. McCarthy School is where the but, blacks go. But the Liberty State show is always at the same school, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but it just matters on which side they're going to okay. be on. Already confirmed a match for the vacant Liberty States Wrestling Tag Team titles as the main state posse, Danger Kid and Aiden Agro, take on former champions, fabulously unequal Johnny Vegas and Todd Sopel. Also on the show, Liberty States heavyweight champion Vern Vicalo issues an open challenge. Also appearing, Setherin, Vanity Vixen, Brett Domino, Dan Terry, and more. Doors open at 6.30, bell time is 7. Tickets are just $10 at the door. Alchemy Productions returns to the Beverly Salem Zucks Lodge on Saturday, September 22nd, as we go all in 
with Aces Wild. Aces on fire! This event is a fundraiser for the Children's Miracle Network with support from Extra Life, which uh, unites video game players from around the world to support their local children's hospital. Aces Wild will host a double main event of professional wrestling action. Insane Dick Lane will defend the All-Star Championship against former TNA Impact Wrestling superstar Robbie E. Insane in the Dick Lane. <laughs> Derek, Derek Simonetti will defend the Bay State Championship against the 2018 North Shore Rumble winner, The Brute. Kevin Giles with Mr. Chad Epic. For the record, the Dick Lane is my least favorite place to travel on the highway. You know, I mean, it's just, you. yeah, you can't win over there. The Alley Cat, Delilah Hayden, will take Every on Every time the I get in there, I get fucked. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's because that's because you're an asshole, and that's the indictious one to fuck pussies and assholes. <laughs> the Alley Cat, Delilah Hayden, will take on the, the suplex sweetheart, Isana. Isana. Isana, sorry. I'm sure you're a lovely lady. The New England Tag Team Champions, the Middlesex Express, the Ace, Mike Montero, and more are scheduled to appear in Beverly on 922. Tickets. Reserve front row, $15. Oh, boy. Available at squareup.com slash store slash Elkmania dash productions. Advanced general admission, $10. General admission at the door, $12. $10 advanced general admission tickets are on sale at Silver Moon Comics and Collectibles in Salem and the Paper Asylum in Beverly, Mass. That does it for the rundown for this Thursday, August 16th, 2018. It has been three weeks since I had anything to put in this section. You can follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show via rundownwrestling at gmail.com, like Jeffrey Mayhew did. Yeah, you may get a chance to host the show. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the, you know, a lot of people don't, might not remember this, but the way that I actually came on the show was because we used to do this show live and I would comment on the side and, and email the show and do voicemails for the show. And eventually they gave me the show. So there's always a possibility that eventually you could be the proud owner owner of a slightly used wrestling podcast. Yeah, if we get enough people, I'm fucking out. Yep. <laughs> Leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967 at 61 rundown seven. Hey man, I got I got my own podcast to go to, so we're now on Patreon. Head over to Patreon. I can start doing sit-downs again. Yeah. yeah. You could also get your own feed and do something. I could. You could, but that's a lot of work. It is. Head, head over to Patreon.com slash Rundown Wrestling to become a patron. Listen to our friends Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing with new podcasts every Monday. Go to Facebook.com slash the WPAN or the WPAN.com. Check out our friend Justin Michaels and the show Yes and Waltz on Tough TV. Go to ToughTV.com and stream it live. You can also check out my podcast, The Slash of Sanitarium, uh, as I am doing the new season of Sci-Fi's Channel Zero. Uh, this one is Butcher's Block. So come over, head on over there, listen to it, and meet Little Stabby. Stay tuned to the Ronda Wrestling Podcast to hear our other shows, NXT Revisited, which just returned this week. Who knows when the next one will be? The Rundown Sit-Down, which I believe is, you know, only has a couple more weeks before I just take it off of the Rundown sheet. <laughs> WrestleMania Salvation. It'll be there eventually, Jesus Christ. WrestleMania Salvation, which has returned. Nitromania Podcast, which has returned. And Glow Stick, which we hope to return next week. You can, oh, we can follow our host on Twitter at jstuart0920, at rockstartroy, at the salt and Peppa effect, at pussyfart, at Nitromania Pod. At Resalmania Titmouse and at Johnny Analog. 
thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jason for joining me hey, this week. Thanks, for... And thanks again for our awesome theme song. Anytime. Next week, we bring you a new co-host, as well as what we feel and what we liked and didn't like about SummerSlam and TakeOver Brooklyn. Probably mostly what we didn't like about SummerSlam and what we loved about TakeOver Brooklyn. Spoiler alert. (laughs) So that'll do it for the rundown. So I guess that means we'll see you next Thursday. Bye! The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently bequeathed to us following the untimely death of Adam Salzer and is produced and edited this week by Jason Stewart. Thank God. Oh my God, thank God. This episode is hosted by Troy Bozen and Jason Stewart, and we are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all of our other podcasts and shows on questonnetwork.com and tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.